0: Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon.
1: And I'm Hibiscus Moon, and I'm Being Boss.
2: In this episode of Being Boss, we're talking all about crystals for creatives with Hibiscus Moon. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club.
0: As a creative entrepreneur running your own business or thinking about starting one, do me a quick favor. As I mentioned the words admin and paperwork, take note of all of those unsavory thoughts and feelings that bubble up to the surface. Because at worst, the prospect of dealing with endless paperwork can kill your motivation altogether. And at best, it's just a time-sucking pain in the butt. So our friends at FreshBooks know this, and they can help you in a big way. FreshBooks makes ridiculously easy cloud accounting software that's perfect for creatives who need to spend more time creating and less of their time buried in paperwork. You can create invoices in seconds. With two clicks, you can set yourself up to receive payments online. If your clients forget to pay you, FreshBooks, well, they're gonna handle the awkwardness with customizable late payment reminders. And FreshBooks can even show you whether or not a client has looked at the invoice you've emailed. So, truthfully, this is only a tiny fraction of what FreshBooks can do to really change how you feel about dealing with your paperwork. To claim your unrestricted 30-day free trial, go to freshbooks.com/beingboss and enter "being boss" in the "How did you hear about us?" section.
2: Hibiscus Moon is a former science department head turned crystal healer and self-proclaimed geo-geek extraordinaire. She's the founder of the Hibiscus Moon
0: Crystal Academy and author of the book, Crystal Grids, How and Why They Work. Hibiscus Moon, I am so excited to have you on Being Boss today. Emily's been getting into crystals, but I, and I like them, I have them, but I don't know a lot about them and I want to be able to use them better. So we're going to dig in, but first, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into working with crystals? Yeah, well, I've always been
1: intrigued by crystals by, I know, you know, a lot of us are that way since we were kids. And by the way, I have to say, I'm excited to be on this podcast because I listen to you guys all the time. So sorry for going off track there. <laughs> but um, I remember looking at my first crystal book when I was three years old. My father had like a museum coffee table book and I was just riveted by it. I thought they were the most exciting things ever. I couldn't believe that these came out of the ground, you know, discovered in dirt, like treasures, just beautiful faceted jewels basically is what they looked like to me. And I was just enamored with them. And then I kind of took a convoluted path growing up and um, got really into science, but, um, you know, was always attracted to geology studies and things like that, became a science teacher. But at the same time, I was really still interested in the metaphysical side of things and kind of approaching things from that duality, both the scientific side and then the metaphysical side. And whenever I would find Places where the two seem to intersect, that really excited me, so that was kind of like my convoluted path, um kind of approaching it from both angles all along the way, so it was a really interesting path to take, I guess
2: I feel like most of us have a similar path who get into crystals and rocks, where you know we were just enamored with them as or when we were children, and I'll even say too, you know, I feel like. A lot of us woo women especially, like, loving our crystals and, like, having them in our pockets and in our bras and all over our house. Like, there's a little bit – I could see a bit of a stereotype there. However, I will also say that coming from, you know, Alabama (laughs) – All those country boys, especially, they all have stories of going caving and finding geodes out, you know, on the creek and all of these things where like rocks and crystals are one of those things that sort of transcends like gender and, you know, where you're from and how old you are, like all of these things, because crystals and rocks are such an easy thing for literally everyone to be connected to or have a story about in one way or another.
1: Yeah, totally, absolutely, and I, I like that side of it, too. I've been to a couple of mines and done some digging myself, and that is so much fun. It is so addicting to actually dig in some dirt and bring these crystals like almost like, I don't know, I mean, birthing a baby for a doctor maybe. I don't know, like the first time they get to see the sunlight after they've been buried underground growing there for millions of years it's highly
0: addicting. I bet. All right. It's time to dig in because I have so many questions. (laughs) First, how do crystals work? And maybe we should start this with like, how do you work with crystals? And then how does that work? Okay. So
1: can I approach it from... The scientific side Please of things,
0: do. okay. I think that will make everyone feel at ease who's listening to this, and then we can start to get woo.
1: <laughs> okay, good. It, just feel free to jump in, interrupt me if you need me to. I'm not going to get too like technical or anything like that. But that's my natural mo is to kind of default to the scientific explanation of things because that's how my. Mind work. Get
0: as technical as you like. We have some pretty smart listeners. Okay. Yeah, I I know you do because I could tell from the
1: topics and things. All right. So, well, everything, everybody are as humans, we have an average vibrational frequency for our body. Okay, and it's made up of all the different organs that we have. Like our heart has a certain vibrational frequency. Our stomach. Cells, brain, all kinds of different vibrational frequencies. We don't have one frequency. So, because it's all ran, it, it's it's not like we we yes we have some crystals in our body, and we're made up of partly some liquid crystal even. Mostly we're not crystalline, and I'll get into what that means, why that's special. Um, so we are not very stable. We are made up of all these random vibrational frequencies. And we're easily influenced by other frequencies okay so we can get out of whack whenever we experience anything that's considered high energy in physics we call that high amplitude like turning the amplitude in an amplifier really really high so anything that's considered high energy we can get influenced by that could be good that could be bad depends right so crystals have energy vibrations just like everything else does Every bit of matter, every kind of energy, even our thoughts have certain energy vibrations. And crystals vibrate at different vibrational frequencies dependent on different things. The specific frequency depends on things like the crystal's molecular structure, its molecular composition, the elements in it, its size, its thickness, and its color. And color is specific light frequencies okay people don't think of it that way but if you look at the electromagnetic spectrum color is just this specific band that's really small that we can visibly see with our eyes but it's just a type of light frequency so the crystals taking all those components together is what creates the crystals specific vibrational frequency now what actually makes a crystal a crystal is that if you were able to go down really small and look at the molecules instead of being like us where it's kind of very random they're very they're arranged in a very specific fixed regularly repeating geometric pattern okay so it continually repeats that's what makes a crystal a crystal so they're geometrically perfect at the molecular level so because of that, they're more stable, and they're less likely to be influenced by other things, okay? So, they're unwavering. They have this lowest possible state of disorganization in physics. You might remember hearing about entropy. So, they um, have this very low state of disorganization or entropy, and they easily maintain their base frequency. They're not easily knocked out of balance like we are, all right? Not easily influenced by other kinds of energies like we are. So that stability is why they're used in certain kinds of technologies. I'm sure you've heard. And so they have this unique ability to influence the energies around them. Okay. So remember, your body is more easily influenced by higher amplitude energy. So the crystals have that higher amplitude energy. And I don't know about you, but I prefer to vibe up with crystal frequencies that are more stable, which they are. If it's a crystal, it's higher frequency. So a more positive state of being rather than being like, influenced by low vibe or unpredictable yuck and stuck sort of energy I like to call it or being bounced around in like a negativity soup essentially right so you kind of have control over your environment by bringing crystals into your environment either wearing them on you or having them close by or there's lots of different ways to work with them we can get into that but that's essentially like the summary of how crystals work and why they influence us.
0: I have a question because you're talking about stability of crystals, but then the high energy. So how does that, how do they have that high amplitude?
1: Because of that stability, because of those molecules being in that fixed repeating geometric pattern gives them that high amplitude energy.
0: I see. I think that I'm just thinking of this like solid state thing. Whenever I think of energy, I think about something moving around really fast or really loud or, you know, just the extremes, right? Whenever we think about something that's high energy, like our kid bouncing off the walls and crystals just feel so almost static. They do, but
1: we don't see what's going on on the energetic level. I mean, there's energies all around us affecting us right now that we don't sense in any way, right? But Some of them can be measured. Some of them can't. I mean, we're being bombarded by all kinds of frequencies, radio frequencies, Wi-Fi frequencies. There's stuff going on everywhere. I mean, you go like you wave your arm in the air and imagine if you did that in the pool, the waves that it would create, right? But you go do this, you know, and, and there's waves of energy being put out that we can't sense or see, but it doesn't mean that it's not there.
0: Okay. So let's say you have a crystal the size of your fist, for example. How far out does that frequency go? Like if I have that in my house, is it reaching my entire house? Is it reaching my neighbors? Or is it like, do I need to set it? Is this why people wear them in their bras and in their pockets? (laughs) (laughs) Like how close do you have to be to a crystal for it to have an impact on your own energy? Well, okay sometimes so
1: this kind of relates to the size matter right so, yeah,
0: size <laughs> matter is essentially my question
1: <laughs> it does but it's just one variable okay so it's not the only thing that comprises what kind of energy that crystal might have I mean because I've heard people say like they've got this teeny tiny little peridot and it's got immense energy you know and then you would go well the size of it that makes no sense but that's just one variable one aspect of it. Um, So yes, size does matter because that is something that is measurable. Um, It varies due to lots of different things. You know, again, the chemical makeup, the composition of the crystal, what kind of specific frequencies it has, and different types of crystals have different types of frequencies. But yes, the size matters because the energy radius, if you just think about it that way, you know, if it's putting out an energy radius around it, it's going to be proportionate to the size of the crystal, right? And it's something that I actually teach my students how to do is how to measure that energy radius. But then there's ways of amplifying it. Like it depends how you're working with the crystal. It depends on what crystals you have working with it. You can create something that I call a crystal grid and bring sacred geometry into it and amplify it that way.
2: Okay, I have a nerd question that I feel like I need to ask you before I ever ask anyone else. Although it's always the thing I ask and I'm like two drinks in and people are asking me about crystals. It's always <laughs> where I go. So crystals are formed, you know, in the ground. And it's like heat and pressure and all of these things take elements and turn them into other things. Crystals. When do they stop growing and are they growing right now? <laughs> like, if you're holding a crystal in your hand, it's done growing, right? Okay. If you had asked me that question, Emily, like
1: five years ago, I would have said, Yeah, it's done growing. Once you take it out of the super saturated crystal solution that they grow in, once you take it out of that environment, it can't grow anymore. Mm-hmm. It's physically impossible. This However, is what you learn in <laughs> geology, okay? Right. However, yeah. Working with crystals as closely as I've been and then being exposed to, you know, client stories and, you know, all my students and the things and my own experiences, I have seen crystals grow on the shelf. Not a lot. It's not often. It's very rare, but it's one of those things where you go, never say never because it can happen.
2: Right. I could see that happening. I haven't seen it happening or I I guess I haven't paid enough attention. But knowing the little bit that I do about geology, I feel like maybe it can happen and that freaks me out and makes me super excited. So thank you. That was my nerd question. Yeah. (laughs) I love that question. And you know what?
1: The academics are really never going to publicly admit that they know that that can happen. But I've talked to a couple who have known, you know, have seen like, or, you know, I swear when I collected that crystal, it was like this and I've had it 10 years and it looks different. It's grown, you know, but they're not going to publicly admit that because it's kind of like, you know, a little embarrassing for them. You know, the academics, how they are. So they got to (laughs) stick to their dogma.
0: I don't know a lot about academics, but the more I'm learning about them, the more I see they're more afraid of what everyone thinks of them. I don't know. I just see really, (laughs) uh, and and I'm thinking. They'll lose their job, literally. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to go off on a tangent about that. Can you give us like a, before we really dig into how our listeners can start using and integrating crystals into their rituals and routines and into their life, I would love to just hear maybe even a case study of how you would be affected by a crystal. So do you have any stories of how you personally have been affected by a crystal or maybe any of your students have been affected by a crystal?
1: Tons of stories. Yes. Um, I tend to be really practical. I I used to, you know, do the whole ritual thing and get really ceremonial about it and everything. And then I realized you don't have to do that. And that's really not me. It's not something that, yeah, I love it. I love to see it on Instagram and I love to hear about it. But to actually sit down and do it, I love the idea of it. But then I never get around to it, right? And then it doesn't get integrated into my everyday stuff. So I like to do things in real practical ways. So like I just did one of these recently and I do it all the time, crystal therapy baths where you put them in your bath water. Literally, you take a crystal that you know is not toxic and that um, isn't going to dissolve in water and that would be all your quartzes are safe for a crystal bath or any of your calcites are safe. And what's nice about quartz and calcite is both of those pretty much come in every color under the rainbow. So whatever it is you want to work on, or with, you can find a crystal color to align with whatever you're trying, your intention and literally plop them into the bath and put them in the bathtub because the water is also highly programmable. It's something that's a great conductor, an excellent energy conductor, why you don't want to be in the swimming pool when there's lightning, right? So putting crystals in the bath is an amazing way to work with the
2: crystals and really easy. I started intuitively doing this this summer, and whenever I saw you put something out recently about doing crystal baths, it was like, OMG, I did it all by myself, and I was super excited about it, but it was one of those things where I've been taking lots of baths this summer. For me, they're almost like therapy, which you even called it therapy bath a second ago, and I was using obsidian, so I was putting some obsidian into my bath. Is that safe? Actually, now that I think is that like an okay one? <laughs> Now I'm scared it is
1: okay but i'm um, I'm interested to hear how did you feel after
2: that always so much better always so much better
0: okay wait so what's obsidian for and why did it make you feel better
2: so obsidian is f- actually hibiscus moon please tell us what I what obsidian is for I don't want to show how newbie I am <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I know you're not so newbie but um the reason I asked how did it make you feel was um Black obsidian, if it was black obsidian, there are different types, um, is known for being like a heavy hitter as far as being highly protective, almost like a big badass bodyguard. And it can be a bit much for some people. Um, Native Americans even warn about wearing it like near the heart or anything like that because they feel that's dangerous. It's too much. It can be ultra grounding and for some people that are like on the border of being depressed, it can pull them down into that Feeling into that kind of vibration, so like I recommend a certain type of black obsidian bath that's really intense, it brings in um Hawaiian black lava salt and black obsidian. But I always say, like, this is something you do if you really feel like you need some extra help, you really need to pack a powerful punch. Because I don't, exp- I don't. I don't recommend doing it as like a relaxation bath because it might just be way too much. So, but if you were able to handle it, either A, you really, really needed that or B, you're pretty emotionally stable, like really,
2: really so emotionally stable so it doesn't affect you in that way. Interesting. Okay. So I was taking lots of baths because I was actually feeling quite depressed for a while this summer and I actually found that like protective piece feeling and more of, I don't know, more of it sort of steadying negativity, if that makes sense, instead of me like spiraling into negativity. It's sort of being an anchor for it, if that makes sense. And I found it very therapeutic every time I did it. Um, I haven't put it into my baths recently. I have felt better recently. That's interesting. I'll have to think about that a bit more.
1: No, I was just going to say, you know, it totally makes sense. Maybe that was just enough, just what she needed. But like, Emily, if you started doing it every day with the black obsidian, you might be like, whoa, what's going on here? Something's shifting.
0: So there can be a dosing quality to it.
1: With that one. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that with most crystals, but it seems that way for black obsidian. And like I said, there's been warnings about it since ancient times. So you got to say
0: there's something to it, right? Okay, so I give my kiddo a bath every night. And if I want him to sleep through the night, what crystal should I pop into his bathtub?
1: Okay, I like amethyst for that one. There are other crystals that I would recommend like lapidolite, but I wouldn't put that in the bathtub because it's a softer stone. So here's the thing. If you have a good crystal reference book, like the Book of Stones, you can check what the Mohs hardness is, and that's a geology term to see how hard a crystal is in relative, relative to other crystals. So anything with a Mohs hardness of five or less, I wouldn't put in the tub on a regular basis because it will start to dissolve it. And if you really
0: like the crystal, you don't want to do that. Um, if it'll make him sleep, I will invest in those crystals. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's another question actually is – so let's say I'm wearing a crystal and I'm near somebody is the energy of that crystal going to affect that person or is there a certain amount of well I mean it sounds to me like there isn't a certain amount of will or intention that goes into this like that this is a very physical practical literal thing that is affecting our energy so what about that like my kiddo loves crystals and he might pick out a few and have them by his bed are those affecting his energy like what's going on there Yeah, they
1: are. And kids, by the way, are really highly intuitive, more so than we are, because they're younger, they're less biased, they're less jaded, they're just closer to that realm, like they just popped out of the Akashic, right? I'm just getting, you know, a little bit woo-woo here, but um, they're really close to that plane, and they're really intuitive. So whenever people ask me for their kids, what crystals should they work with? I recommend, you know, Instead of overwhelming them, maybe pick like 10 crystals and put them on a tray and say, go ahead and pick whatever ones you think are going to be helpful for you for sleeping or for focusing in school or whatever. And they'll know which which ones are the ones to work with and have them pick two or three and maybe put them in a little pouch. You could put them in their pillow or in their pocket or whatever. And they're going to know which ones work best for them because it's also an individual thing. When we give these crystal meanings, they I have found over the years, they're usually about 80% reliable for the entire population, but there's always that 20% that it doesn't work for them. And they're like, okay, everybody says rose quartz is amazing for all matters of the heart, but it just makes me feel angry. That's a new one that I've been hearing a lot lately. And so there's about 20% and that still holds true. And I have some theories why that might be going on, but um, I'm getting off track here. So just know that it's best to kind of experiment with the crystals for yourself and see what works best for you. Because we're all, you know, we're all humans, yes, but we're all, we all have our own individual, slightly different vibrational frequencies from each other. So everything's gonna be a little bit different, kind of a little different reality for everybody, right?
2: Now, we know our bosses and we know that many of you are looking to easily sell online courses memberships and digital downloads to your audience. Well, we found a solution for you in Podia, your all-in-one digital storefront where you can sell your online boss creations in one place with no technical knowledge needed, no third-party plugins required, and zero transaction fees. Start selling today with a 14-day free trial of Podia and as an exclusive offer to the Being Boss listeners, 15% off for life by going to podia.com/boss. That's p o d i a.com/boss.
0: So, the crystals that are in our watches or different electronics, those have an intention and purpose and function. I have no idea what it is. But is the, does that mean that we can then also give the crystals that we're working with a function or a specific purpose to work with? Does that make sense? I have no idea what I'm talking about, so I there might be a better way to even ask the question.
1: Well, it it's not it's a, it's a good question because I feel really differently about that. A lot of people will say you need to um Program your crystal, okay? So, what you just asked me, I—I I, that's how I interpreted it. Am I on the right track?
0: Yes, exactly. Okay,
1: I don't subscribe to programming your crystal. Um, I know that's not a popular belief, but I feel like these crystals have been baked in Mama Earth for millions of years, have a specific vibrational frequency in each of them. Even in technology, we use them for very specific purposes because that's been inherently baked into them. And I feel like after 4.6 billion years, Mama Earth's got it figured out. Now I'm going to come along, the measly little human, and I'm going to program that crystal and tell it what it's going to do for me. I'd rather just approach the crystal without a bias and kind of figure out how I vibe up with that crystal. How does it affect me? personally you know and then go from there there's there's 4500 different minerals so there's going to be something out there for you and there's so many books on the subject on what crystals good for this you know so we can always start there and then experiment from there so it doesn't have to be really difficult but this whole idea of programming the crystal i really don't subscribe to it if it works for you out there you know or for you personally then keep on going with it you know don't let anybody tell you nope that doesn't work but it's just not something i personally feel
2: strongly about (laughs) at all all right, I have some questions around tuning into the crystals because we just went into several different areas of how crystals can and do work and and what that can look like. But what if someone is listening to this and they're like, "Really?" Or maybe they like think that crystals can do it. Is just a rose quartz feels no different than a black tourmaline to them. How can someone tune into? crystals. Okay.
1: So I'm going to say this. If someone is highly skeptical and they're like, this does not work. This is all a bunch of hooey. Come on. It's probably not going to work for them because the placebo effect is very, very real. Even in medicine, if you go in for a procedure and you're like, you know, where this thing is not going to work, you know, it, it probably isn't going to because you're so against it. That's your reality that you're creating, right? However, some things are so intense that it's going to have an intense energy exchange with you, even if you have that skepticism. So I just wanted to preface that by saying that. But a good way to just tune in with a crystal, especially for people that are like really Have a hard time with it. Like, I consider myself energetically dense. I don't walk into a crystal shop and hold a crystal and go, Whoa, that one's so, I feel the energy. Oh my God. Or I can't go in here. I need to leave. Oh my God. This is too intense. I hear that all the time. And I used to be really jealous. Like, well, that's not me, you know, but I've found my way around that, obviously, and I work with the crystals just fine. Not everybody's like that, some people are really energetically sensitive, and some of us are energetically dense. So, there's other ways you can tune in with the crystals. One way that I love is to do a crystal meditation. So, I try, I don't do it every day, but I try to do a meditation every day, and I almost always bring a crystal in with me. I'll usually work with one specific crystal for a little while until I just feel like I'm good with that one, or, you know, time to move on to something else, or work with something else. Lately, I've found selenite to be one of my favorites. I really, really love it. Um, It helps me focus and calm down and just stop the monkey chatter in my brain. Um, Amethyst is a really lovely one to work with during a meditation, but I feel like Whether you do a guided meditation or a silent meditation, it's a really good way to tune into the energy that you're receiving from the crystal. And another thing that I always say is that you're not necessarily always going to get the energy or the message during the actual meditation. It might come in later, like in a dream that night, Or in themes throughout the day, you know things that happen something you found on the sidewalk while you're walking to your car And if you were to journal over a three or four day period while meditating with a crystal For the three or four day period you'd probably see some really strong themes come up And when I say meditate, I don't mean you need to sit down for an hour. You can do as short as five minutes You can do ten minutes, you know something practical that you
2: can work into your day and what so other than journaling and maybe seeing con- maybe seeing themes coming up often what else should you look for when maybe you're meditating with a crystal for several days like if it's the right crystal for you if it's the wrong crystal if it's working or not like what should you be looking for to I don't know see see how that's working for you Well, some people
1: get really clear messages like, oh my gosh, I got this message that I need to set up firm boundaries and I need to really work on that. And they got a really clear message. Some people work with a crystal and they're feeling really uncomfortable the whole time and uncomfortable stuff is coming up for them or they get the heebie-jeebies and stuff like that. So some people get really clear stuff. And when you say, if you're, you almost need to know what your intention is when you're sitting down with the crystal. Are you doing this just to figure out what the crystal has to share with you? Or are you doing this to specifically work on say prosperity and abundance? You know, um, it depends what your intention is when you're sitting down. If you're open and you just want to see what the crystal is about, then that's almost nice because you're bringing no bias to the table, right? If you have a specific intention on something you want to work on, like, Uh, self-love, you know, you might want to start with a crystal that you know has usually for most people that correspondence like rose quartz. And try it out for three or four days. If you're not feeling it and you're not getting that self-love vibe from it after the four days, then I'd say switch to something else. Try pink tourmaline. You know, you might be in that 20% where it's just not going to work for you. You got to try something else, something more potent, something more powerful, or just a different crystal.
0: I feel like I'm energetically dense whenever it comes to crystals. I'm like you, Hibiscus Moon, where I'm not going into a shop and just feeling overwhelmed or holding certain crystals. But I have found that I have preferences. And so I'm always drawn towards crystals that like smoky quartz is probably one of my favorites. And I don't, unless I have a reference book in front of me, I don't really know what that means. And I'm always attracted to more earth-toned crystals. Well... That's funny because they all come from the earth, so they're all earth-toned, right? But what we traditionally <laughs> think of as earth-toned, so greens and kind of some um, oranges and blues is what I'm really attracted to. And so I just trust those preferences. And probably one of my most surprising tuning-in stories that I've got is I was once in a shop and I thought, I'm just going to be open to whatever and see what pops out to me, even through the lens of, what do I like today? And I picked up one that was white with little black specks in it. And I was like, huh, I'm I'm feeling this one. Just I like it. I'm going to go ahead and get it and then see what it means. And I can't remember the name of the crystal, but it helps with sleep and insomnia, which is something that I regularly struggle with. And um, it was so funny, too, because my little kiddo struggles with that as well. And he's part of what keeps me awake at night. And he took the crystal and hid it from me. And I was like, oh, my God this is so typical of you that you're going to get in the way of the thing that's going to help me sleep. But I was just so surprised by that because it wasn't something that I would usually be attracted to and it was exactly what I needed. Um, so what do you think about just being attracted to certain colors and finding that as a preference? What does that mean?
1: Oh my gosh. All right, Kathleen. So now I'm going to get really geeky because I, I completely understand what you're talking about um for a while there i was really attracted to blue crystals or clear crystals with blue in it like turquoise blue and i was really really loving that and all of those turquoise blue crystals are copper derivatives okay so i'm just going to plant that seed here for a second so then i started learning about something else when i was diving down like my biohacking health type topics that I like too. And um, there was something called a mineral testing kit that you can use to see what minerals you're deficient in. So you take a few drops and if it tastes, I forget which way it goes. I think if it tastes really sweet, that means it's something your body needs. So there were like eight different minerals, I think it was, and one of them was copper. And copper is not usually something we're deficient in. But lo and behold, I'm deficient in copper and so I have this whole theory now that you are attracted to not only what you need emotionally but what you probably need physically as well in the mineral kingdom your body's trying to get it into your environment any way it can and you know like just having it I feel very strongly that just having it in your electromagnetic field vibes up with the copper that's in your body and amplifies it. So it could be something biological,
2: the attraction as well.
0: That is so cool. That is so cool.
2: And I agree with this idea of going at choosing rocks intuitively because I think just like, I don't know, tarot cards or even like business, like anything. People can put so much pressure on themselves to understand everything before they dive into something. When I think that we all need to practice a lot more trusting our intuition when going into anything. And crystals for me has been one of those areas where I can do that. Where just like Kathleen, I'll walk into a shop and just see what I like that day. And then very or quite often, whatever I choose follows me around for a while, I'll see really great pieces of jewelry, or I'll be gifted one, and so I'll end up collecting the same kind of rock over a couple of weeks after I first choose it or notice it. Um, and I think that I think that whenever we can open ourselves up to things like crystals in that way. Um, Maybe it gives us more copper in our blood, (laughs) or whatever it may be. But I think it definitely invites in, you know, some of that synchronicity that makes us all feel like life is significantly more fun and enjoyable than if we were just walking around poo pooing on all the rocks. (laughs)
0: <laughs> exactly but at the same time like is there a place where we need to be cautious like for example herbs is kind of this way where I like seeing what herbs or teas I'm attracted to and oftentimes I am attracted to the ones I need for a specific reason so I remember even when I was young I had a lot of stomach issues and I always remember popping a peppermint would make me feel better but I didn't know that peppermint was actually something that helps with tummy problems right So. But herbs, as we know, are very potent and can be dangerous and at times. Are crystals the same way? Like, we might be intuitively attracted to something, but can they ever be harmful? Right. Can you OD on quartz? I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah.
2: Okay. So I'd say for those of us that are really, really
1: grounded people, probably you're okay as far as ODing on crystals. <laughs> But people who are really like in their higher chakras or they tend to be what some would call flighty and that kind of thing or higher frequency, you know, there's lots of different names for it. They can OD on crystals. I've heard of it many, many times. Those are the people that walk into the crystal shops and can't handle it. Or if they have too many crystals in their home, they're like, whoa, no way. You know, I'm turning into a whack job. Can't be having this. Um, So there is that caution. So just be mindful of that. And then on a physical level, um, I meant to plug this in before when we were talking about the crystal therapy bath, but it kind of like slipped my mind, was... I think I mentioned it for a quick second, but let me just elaborate on it is you want to watch the toxicity level of some minerals. You don't want to throw any old mineral in the bathtub or drink gem water. You see that a lot on Instagram, right? People plopping crystals into water and stuff. You don't want to throw everything in there because this is where, you know, a lot of these minerals is where antimony, mercury, lead come from. Okay. So you have to watch the elemental content. That's why before I said quartz and calcite families, those two are safe. So you don't need to worry about those two families. But there are some crystals out there like beautiful cinnabar is gorgeous, but you don't want to put that in your water. You don't want it going through your pores or drinking it or anything like that. Don't
0: turn that into a yoni egg. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Nope, <laughs> <laughs> nope. No
1: yes exactly i've heard of some people putting creating these yoni eggs out of just about any crystal and they're not being mindful i, I mean Don't I'm serious. do it people <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's
1: why the original yoni eggs were jade
0: stick to jade And why? Why are they jade? And I even have like a jade going from my vagina to my face. I have like a jade roller. What's that doing for me?
1: Me too. It beautifies the skin. Um, It's known for bringing about a healthy glow. It's been used since ancient times. But even if you go, yeah, right, whatever, you are stimulating your lymphatic drainage system and your capillaries. So even if you just want to look at from that point of view. All around, it's a good thing to do. I've got a jade roller, too. I've heard the rose quartz rollers are the new things, so I want to check those out. And back to the yoni egg, and I'm no expert on the yoni egg or anything like that, um, but jade is known for being a, a mineral that enhances and invites in good health and strength and vitality. And the whole purpose of that is to bring health, strength, and di- vitality to the Kegel muscles, right? So um, plus it's a safe mineral. So they've been using it for thousands of years. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right?
0: Totally. <laughs> let's, let's bring this back to the creative entrepreneur, the freelancer. Hold on. I have oh.
2: one more nerd question. Okay, okay. Can I ask one more nerd question? So something that I run into often, and I especially see this on Instagram a lot, and especially like those crystal accounts with, you know, tens of thousands of followers with all these people, like people will get in there and get a little ranty sometimes about um, about responsibly harvesting crystals from the earth. And this is something that I think about a lot is, you know, as I'm buying crystals to sell at Almanac, especially like I don't want to be responsible for the depletion of, resources. However, my own mindset has shifted around this idea of Mother Earth is creating these beautiful things that have the ability to like help and heal human energy, anxiety levels even perhaps, and you know really create vitality and health. It's my somewhat belief that the Earth is probably okay with it, with the crystals coming out and being spread around the top of the earth as opposed to under the earth.
0: But surely there's a way to do it responsibly. There is.
2: I don't want children in the mines for sure. Like there are tons of things around responsibility. But I want to ask spe- specifically you around what do you think about crystals being dug out in completely responsible ways? Okay. So I ranted
1: about this on my blog a while ago because okay, hopefully I'm I'm not going to get too ranty here. I'm not. Okay. So um there there are miners out there who are irresponsible. Straight up. It happens, you know. They're greedy. They're blasting some crystals out of the ground that didn't used to happen. There some areas are blasting specifically just to get specific Minerals out of the ground. Okay, and collectible crystals. I'm talking about that. Okay, because there are ores Where they're collected for economic purposes most crystals that we like to collect, you know, like the fluorites and um, Carnelians or whatever the, those blue minerals. I was talking about those copper derivatives most of them are byproducts to huge ore operations So they're there to mine something else, like copper or silver, and these minerals that they're finding alongside it are byproducts of that ore, okay? So they're just like, there's something called the miner's lunchbox, so the miners would come to work, and they're there to mine the silver, and they're mining the silver, but at the same time, they're finding all these fantastic mineral collector's pieces, and they'd put them in their lunchboxes, and then sell them off at the gem shows, OK, I think there is nothing wrong with responsibly mining minerals. You know, I have like I said, I've been in mined in a couple of places and you're getting down and dirty and scratching at the earth and pulling crystals out of the earth. And I do feel like it's a gift from Mother Earth to us. You know, like there's so much more within her crust. And lower Um, in some places, there's these pockets that we're never going to find in our lifetimes that are there growing. It's all part of the rock cycle, okay? Now, what we should be mindful of is the huge blasting that we're doing for blood diamonds and the ores that we use in all of our technology. So, we're all of us that we're listening and watching right now, you know, those of us that are tuning into this podcast we're all contributing to that and so the thing that you want to do is because there's I forget the exact ores gold is is one of them um, titanium I believe and tantium I think is the other one um, that that is the big one that we want to watch out for those are the places where they're blasting out scarring the planet um, there there's not fair practices happening for the people that are working at these mines. And it's a huge industry. It's huge. So when you go to buy your laptop, your smartphones, you want to check to see is the provider, the person that you're, not the person, the company that you're purchasing from, are they being mindful about where they're mining and how they're mining their minerals? Because I'm I'm telling you, you know, these carnelians and the the things like, you know, the, the byproducts, the, the rubies now even, those are byproducts. The main thing that they're going for is to satisfy our hunger
2: for technology. So that's where we really need to look. And this, I think, is where the irony lies where all those people ranting on Instagram about people with pretty quartzes are just using their ore rich technology to rant about something that is relatively irrelevant to the thing that the problem actually is. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's
1: for the most part the case. Like I said, there is a few rare cases where some places they're mining specifically just for that mineral, but for the most part, it's it's a byproduct to, to a way bigger issue, a way bigger problem. Sure. Okay. Thank you. Yeah.
2: Now you can go to creative entrepreneurs.
0: Okay, <laughs> back to creative entrepreneurs and small business owners who want to integrate crystals into their work and life. What are some good ways that they can do that? So is it, and maybe we can get into specific crystals that are good for specific reasons. I brought some. Can I show oh, them? Perfect. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, um but describe them too for our listeners who are just listening. So, Let's say I'm wanting to get a lot of productive work done and I'm sitting here at my computer. Should I set a crystal at my desk? Can I set it near my computer? Is it going to impact? Is it going to affect my computer? Could it make my computer run slower? (laughs) 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 This is a genuine concern because I feel like my energy, this is kind of off topic, but I feel like my energy sometimes messes with electronics a little bit. So I don't need anything else jumping in and messing with them.
1: Yeah, no, totally. I get that. Um, And honestly, this isn't going to be real neat and easy and practical here because I don't like keeping most crystals near my computer. I'm kind of a You know, I'm into biohacking and stuff, and I'm kind of very aware of the electromagnetic radiation coming off of things and not amplifying Wi-Fi, even turn it off when I'm sleeping. Um, So I only have crystals around my computer that I feel are going to neutralize that electromagnetic energy, and that's going to be anything that's iron-bearing. So I have black tourmaline near my laptop at all times. I also have this shungite sphere near my laptop at all times, And black tourmaline is really gorgeous. Um, It's very black, it's shiny, and it grows shiny. Um, It'll have these little spindly pieces in it. Sometimes they're kind of shardy um, and it might have like some terminations at the end. And that's a great crystal just in general for neutralizing negativity in general, whether it's people's energy or it's energy from a laptop or some kind of electronic device. The shungite is almost pure carbon. There's some kind of shungite that's known as noble shungite or elite, and it's almost silvery, and it's very, very pure. And that's really good to have um, near your electronics or near your router, something like that, to neutralize that electromagnetic field. But back to kinds of crystals that we want to use for creative entrepreneurs, of which I am one, I have certain favorites, but I don't keep them near my computer. So what I'll do is um, sometimes I'll have I'll keep them in a little bowl nearby while I'm planning or to inspire me while I'm doing certain things. If I have them near the computer for a short amount of time, that's okay. I just don't line them up around my computer and keep them there at all times. Okay. So one that I really like is citrine. This is um, like an a uh, a yellow to iced tea or champagne colored crystal. A lot of citrine on the market, though, is what is known as baked citrine or it's actually amethyst that they bake to turn it orange and it turns a bright orange and I don't like working with that one anymore I used to but now I've switched to the natural citrine and most natural citrine comes from the Congo or from Brazil and this is a stone that in the ancient times even it's known as the merchant stone so it's one that invites in prosperity money into the business revenue into the business keeps you in the black and And so this is one that I really like. It also is good for inviting in creativity too. So,
0: Okay, I have a question before you go much further. As far as working with these crystals, if this natural citrine is inviting in prosperity, how is that actually happening? So it's affecting our body. And then does that just impact the decisions that we're making and making us work in a more prosperous way? Or is there something different going on? Okay,
1: unfortunately I don't have the answers to that. That is like one of those things where you just say just because, because it does, because we've known for a long time that it does and I've experimented like with using the recently the baked am- the baked amethyst kind of citrine And then switching it out to this natural citrine. I sold a house because of this that didn't want to sell and didn't want to move. And I switched out to using a crystal grid with just this. And I'm telling you, Kathleen, it works like a charm every time. So some things we just don't have explanations for. Maybe there is one out there. You know, some of these crystals, there is a direct explanation. Like, for example, um, lapidolite. a lithium rich mineral. Okay. And it's a crystal that is known for helping us to sleep, for calming us down, for balancing our emotions. And what's the mineral that we use for helping to balance emotions in psychology and that's like, exactly, exactly. So some of them have a direct correlation and some of them, you know, it's just sometimes I think also it's a color frequency. So sometimes I think the color frequency has a lot to do with it. Like, for example, another one that I would highly recommend for creative entrepreneurs is carnelian, which is a bright, vibrant orange type of quartz. And that orange color is known as being a color. I mean, how many times you talk to psychologists and they'll say that orange is a color of creativity. Paint a space orange if you want to foster creativity. And orange also happens to be the color that's associated with the sacral chakra, which is the chakra about four inches below your navel. And it's the chakra that's associated with, if it's in good balance, means that you have a lot of creative, juicy, energetic flow to your being. So carnelian's great if you need a creativity boost
0: in your work. What else? What other crystals? Like what if you want to manifest more of your goals? Uh, goal setting. Let's see. Um, or yeah, even just goal setting in general.
1: Okay. I actually brought this for another reason because this is fluorite. Fluorite is, um, this happens to be a rainbow fluorite, which means it's got purple, it's got white, it's got turquoise, it's got green. It's gorgeous. If you see it in the sunlight, you see these actual rainbows in it. Um, it's seafoam green. It's a really pretty color and, Um, You can use, you can work with any color of fluorite. Say you just have a green fluorite, that's okay too. Fluorite is great for decision making and focus, but it's also great for goal setting. I didn't bring it for that purpose, but since you asked that question, it's a really good one because I'll actually pull it out whenever I'm doing my planning for the year. I like to plan out my business for the whole year in advance and I'll pull fluorite in every single time because it really helps me to set those goals, make those decisions. Um, It's also a good one if you're doing any kind of studying
0: too. Ooh, we'll need that one for our next CEO day. Um, okay, I have a question because you're showing us a bunch of these crystals and some of them are shaped like palm stones that are smooth and you could hold in your palms. Some of them are very natural. They look like they maybe just came out of the earth and some of them are shaped into points, like little pyramids. Can you tell us how the shape of the crystal, does that affect anything or is it just another cool fun preference thing
1: it is a cool fun preference thing definitely you know Go with what you're intuitively pulled to do. However, I will tell you, I prefer whenever possible to work with a natural stone because it hasn't been tampered with. The energy hasn't been dampened. This is how the earth grew it. This is how it's going to work best. But sometimes for practical reasons, that's just not going to work. You know, say you want to um, protect yourself for the day. You want to neutralize negativity around you, but I can't wear a big old honking black tourmaline around my neck. That's going to get me to the chiropractor. Later in the day. So um, sometimes you need like a little pendant, something that's been carved into a certain shape. Um, For example, fluorite. The reason I have a fluorite. I would call this a tower. Fluorite does not grow in natural points. It grows in a mass or it grows in octahedrons, which is like if you had two pyramids stacked on top of each other, it does grow naturally as that. It beautifully expresses the sacred geometry inherent in it. Um, But if I want to use the energy of a tower to transmit an intention in the center of my crystal grid. Now I know I'm getting really kind of, this is this is kind of the stuff that I like to do, but I need a certain shape for that. And so they will carve pretty much any crystal into different types of shapes to do what you need, you know. So Shungite, again, collect it in masses, but if you want it to express or transmit its energy in all different directions, a sphere is the ideal shape for that. So for practical reasons, sometimes you go with a shaped crystal or you just like it. Um, and But like I said, if at all possible, I prefer to work with it in its natural state.
0: What crystal would you use if you were speaking, like doing some public speaking and you're freaking out and just need to get calm and centered and articulate? Okay. I really like the light blue stones for that. So
1: aquamarine or blue lace agate are really good choices for that because they really help to calibrate your throat chakra and to express what you need to say in a way that's heard by others and be articulate just like you said they're great for that
0: so is there a connection between the chakras and the colors of crystals that we choose can we really kind of do that if we want to take the next level of intuition to picking out a crystal but aren't we don't have an encyclopedia in our heads you know i know my chakras so can i start using that whenever it comes to picking out crystals to work with
1: Yeah, that's one that I recommend. That's a way that I recommend all the time, you know, to start out is if you know your chakra colors, there's seven colors to the rainbow. It starts with red at the base and you go up to light violet at the crown. You can just work with the colors and yes, definitely go to the crystals because it works every single time. There's a few exceptions, but you really don't need to worry about it. Like if you want to take citrine with that yellow color, it's going to align with your solar plexus chakra, which is yellow. Yeah. Makes it easy.
2: Alright, what about storing your crystals? Is it like bad juju to put all of your crystals in one bowl together or do you need to keep them separated? Like how do you how do you put your crystals around your house without having them? all around your house.
0: That's such a good question, Emily, because mine are all in one bowl. And now I'm just imagining all of their little energies like fighting with each other. Like, what if some of my crystals hate each other and I've got them all in a bowl together?
1: <laughs> okay, I've heard this one a lot there, I don't feel like any of them are fighting with each other or there's any kind of bad juju like, oh no, you didn't do that. You didn't put rose quartz next to your floor. Oh my God, your house is going to, you know, get eaten up by a sinkhole now. I don't feel like any of that's the case except for, like I said before, those people who are too energetically sensitive for dealing with too many crystals in a room that you want to be mindful of if that's you. But if not, I've got my crystals everywhere. I mean, if you could see what's going on in my house, they're all over the place because I'm not affected by that. Um, I do have a bunch in a bowl right here next to me. I don't worry about what crystals are together. The only time I would say to be mindful of that is say you have a space that you're working in and you're trying to infuse it with a certain type of energy. You don't want two crystals that are going to kind of cancel each other out. So if you're trying to create a creative energetic space, carnelian would be a great choice, but I wouldn't couple, I wouldn't fill it with carnelian and say, um, lipidolite because like we said before, lipidolite is for relaxing and calming down. So it's kind of going to be, which is it? Do you want to calm and relax or do you want to get energized and creative? You know, like, what are you trying to do here? It's going to be like a tug of war. You know what I mean? But nothing is going to explode.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Your crystals are not angry at each other, Kathleen.
0: (laughs) Well, I have learned so much and I want to learn more. So where do I go to find out more about you and your work? Oh, thank you. So I have
1: um, a Sacred Spaces, like kind of a, a guide on creating a sacred space using crystals. And I've created a really nice kit for that um, with a private video of my own sacred space and a meditation and an ebook that takes you through how to do it step-by-step. Step. And you can just go to hibiscusmoongift.com to get that.
0: Thank you. And finally, what makes you feel most boss? Okay, so... Um, I guess that I've trusted
1: my crystal path wholeheartedly. And just, you know, when the doors were opened up, walked through, and i realized huge transformations through working with crystals for myself. And it allowed me to create the exact reality I was seeking to manifest and it's funny because at first I didn't realize that's what I was setting out to do. I was just kind of walking through the doors that were being opened up for me through working with the crystals. So, but now from doing that, I realized, wow, okay, that was the path I was supposed to take and it's brought me to this amazing place through those transformations and I get to be in service to others and it's allowed me to to create this amazing business that i absolutely love and i get to witness these huge transformations for other people
2: too. so i guess that's that makes me feel pretty boss. doing the work, i like it. thank you so much for coming to talk to us about all these crystals. i do have to say too though before we like let you go that you talked a lot about crystals but you are also a total boss. like we didn't talk about your business at all and what it is that you actually do for a living, I think we'll have to have you back to talk about some of that and some of the things that you're building and creating and the types of things that you're nurturing in your business. But for now, I super appreciate you coming and informing all of us about how to use crystals first. And we'll talk about business later.
1: I love to talk about business, so yeah, I'd be happy to do that. But thank you so much, Kathleen and Emily. This was a ton of fun.
0: Hey, bosses. I want to tell you about the CEO Day Kit. The CEO Day Kit is 12 months of focus planning for your business in just one day. So Emily and I have packaged up the exact tools that we've been consistently using for years that have helped us grow from baby bosses to the CEOs of our own businesses. Gain clarity, find focus, get momentum, prioritize your time, make better decisions, and become more self-reliant with the CEO Day Kit. Go to courses.beingboss.club to learn more and see if it's a fit for you and your business. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. If you're looking for more help in being boss
2: of your work and life, come check out our website where you can find episode show notes, browse our archives, and access free resources like worksheets, trainings, quizzes, and more. It's all at www.beingboss.club. Do the work. Be boss. Be boss.